A man is allowed to marry. Sixteen, quickly came the reply. His mother said, uh, what do you mean sixteen? He said, well, just add it up. The preacher said, four better, four worse, four richer, and four poor." <laughs> One of our mothers uh, in our church put her son to bed in the eve of his fifth birthday. She was trying to communicate that birthday idea to him. And she said, Kevin, this is the last night of your fourth night. Do you understand that? And he was ready to communicate with his hands because for a full year he had shown people four fingers for his four years and now he was ready to add a thumb. Seeing his four fingers, his mother nodded, when you go to sleep tonight, you'll still be four years old, but do you know how old you'll be in the morning when you wake up? He nodded enthusiastically, added his thumb, and he said, tomorrow, I'll be a handful. (laughs) (laughs) For all the mothers who have had their hands full, we celebrate Mother's Day today, and we honor you and uh, praise you for the work that you've done and are continuing to do. What a wonderful thing that God's Word has a lot of messages for us and for moms, for parents, for grandparents. There are those listening this morning who one day will be in the delightful company of parents and there are single adults who have such profound influence in many of our homes today. History's most famous mother was called by God to her task, just as parents today are called by God to their task. And today I just want to convey three things I hope you'll learn about moms who are called of God. A mother, number one, a mother called by God submits completely to God's will. When Mary was only a teenager, she was confronted with the challenge to be completely submitted to God. When Gabriel gave her the angelic message that she was to carry the Christ, Mary was stunned. In Luke chapter 1, we have it on the overhead up here, but if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, Luke chapter 1, and before we go too much further, some of you didn't raise your Bible. We got to do that, don't we? Back of mine's falling off, so I have to work double time. Let's raise those up. I'm a child of God. God. Having my hand, hand. the powerful Word of God, God. can save lives, lives. heal broken hearts, hearts. help the preacher stay on track. track. Here's our prayer. In Jesus' name, name. Lord, speak to me. In Jesus' name again, amen. There we go. Now, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick up at verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who has said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, and may it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I would have you focus on that key phrase where Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, may it be. Moms, your task 
is awesome. What you do in the course of motherhood is incredible. I have discovered in watching my own wife become a mother of three children and now the grandmother of the most precious baby daughter you could ever hope to ever see in, in your entire life. I do have pictures. Let me know. You would have to agree. But I've watched mothers. There's just something incredible that happens to mothers. New sets of eyes are established around your head. You have a sense about you. But the one thing I've mentioned before that mothers are in, in given when they give birth to their first child is what I call the look. Mothers have the look. If you don't believe that, mess up today and you're going to get the look. If you don't believe that, mess up at church this morning and find your mother and you're going to get that look. Mothers have it. Now, you don't have it before you have children, but once you get it, you got it. And it's unbelievable how powerful it is. But I have noticed something with Cindy. Her look to her boys is different than her look to that granddaughter. That granddaughter can do nothing wrong. I've discovered that. And I have to agree with her. I can't see a thing wrong that granddaughter's doing. My son Jeff said, well, Dad, you'd never let me get away with that. I said, you got it. <laughs> I am the Lord's servant. May it be. Mary never wavered for her complete, from her complete submission to God's will. Do you think that she was nervous when she heard this? Man, no doubt. Was she unsure of her own abilities? Who wouldn't be? Was she anxious about the prophecy that uh, that part of her future, that it would include pain? Sure. I, I've been with many couples when they're having those first children and I can see the anxiousness in the faces of those couples. And especially that dad, he just, he doesn't know what to do. It's that deer in the headlight look. Mom, she's ready to have the child. And I always tell the dads in private, I pull them aside and I said, look, she's going to say things to you during this period of labor. She doesn't really mean all of it. I didn't say none of it, all of it. She doesn't mean all of it. But she's going to say some things to you that will seem hurtful to you and you might get hurt. But listen, as soon as the baby's born, everything will change. And I take that off of my own life. I remember... As Cindy was delivering one of our boys, I got that look like I'm going to kill you if we are ever like this again. She had words of encouragement for me. She said, come here, a little closer. And as I got closer, this little hand reached up and grabbed my throat. It was an incredible experience. I finally breathed about 20 minutes later. She was in one of her contraction points, I think. But I never will forget because I thought, man, my life's in danger if we ever have a child again. And as soon as that baby was born, I mean, it wasn't 30 seconds. She looked up at me and said, can we have another one? I wanted to hit her right there. I'm telling you right now. But for three wonderful boys, we are so grateful. Mary was a little like the mother who sits up late at night, far past her bedtime. 
waiting for that date to be over. She's like the father who said the silent, heartfelt prayers. He watched his child drive away from the house down those dangerous streets for that first time. Mary's like that parent that's sitting in this room who wants only the best, only the most protection for their children and fully aware that life happens and all of life is not pleasant. But Mary was unlike a lot of parents in this world today. Mary was first of all completely committed to God. She was so committed to God that she had no room for commitment to anything else and that made her a mother worth imitating. And so I would challenge you moms today that if you're not totally sold out and committed to God, this would be a great thing to do. Second thing I want you to know about a mother called of God is that she does not have to be perfect. A mother called of God does not have to be perfect, and that really should be great news for everybody. Linda Hutkins of uh, Malden, Massachusetts, tried perfection one day. On the day of her daughter's wedding, she tells the story that she went to the front of the church to light one of the three candles, not realizing, she quotes, the potential hazard, I got too close and set my acrylic nail on fire. Trying not to ruin the daughter's big day, she calmly lit the candle with her flaming nail. Then like a gunslinger with a six-shooter, she blew it out. Well, needless to say, the blackened nail was the talk of the reception. Dr. Benjamin Carson, renowned surgeon at John Hopkins, tells a moving story about his mother. Mrs. Carson insisted that Ben and his brother Curtis write a book report every couple of weeks. It wasn't for school. This was for their mom. Ben and Curtis obeyed. About the time he was in junior high, Ben finally realized something quite shocking. Ben's mom couldn't read. For years, Ben had read books and scratched out reports, assuming that his mom was checking every word, but she didn't have a clue what he was saying. Raised by an illiterate mom... Ben grew to be a world-famous surgeon who was featured in many articles and was the author of several books. His illiterate mom didn't twist her hands over her lack of learning and give up hope of raising intelligent boys. Instead, she gave her boys what she had, interest, accountability, and the courage to demand extra work. (coughs) So young people, when your mother's ask you to do things when your mothers want you to work hard, when your mothers want you to produce. Don't think it's for nothing. And despite the fact that she was the mother of Jesus, Mary wasn't perfect either. Look in chapter 2 of John, verses 1 through 5. I think we have it on the screen for you. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Jesus said to Mary, Woman, why do you involve me? It's not my time. Two things I want you to see here. First, a word to children. Don't try this at home. (laughs) Second, think of the awkwardness of the situation. In other words, don't don't back talk your mother at home is what I'm trying to say. 
But think of the awkwardness of this situation. Mary's request and conversation with Jesus appeared to be out of line with what Jesus was ready to do. And though Jesus performed the miracle, there's a feeling that He did so in part because His mother had put Him on the spot. And if that's not a clear indication of Mary's imperfection, maybe this verse will help you. In Matthew chapter 12, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, His mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to Him. Someone told him, Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied to him, who is my mother and who is my brothers? And he pointed to his disciples and he said, here is my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. If Mary had understood the task of Jesus, would she have tried to interrupt him or even agree with his unbelieving brothers that his ministry needed to be uh, tempered? Stopping the ministry of Jesus, even for a little while, was a mistake on Mary's part. You've made mistakes in the past, moms. And you certainly will make a mistake or two in the future. And you might make some even on down the road. But through it all, God will love you, work with you, and accept you. And through it all, your task of mothering or grandmothering will be accomplished. See, grandmothering, is I'm finding out, is equally as important as mothering. I didn't understand that until I became a grandfather. I'm waiting for my granddaughter to call me granddad. She'll get there. Cindy's not grandma. She's GG. That's easy for any kid to say, GG. I got her to say G-daddy, though. That was pretty close. But it's like, I said, Cindy, what's she going to call you? She said, whatever that perfect little mouth wants to say. Hey, there you go. I'll go with that one. How many women have been discouraged by the last few words of the book of Proverbs? You read that one? It's in those words that the author writes about the perfect woman. There are 22 lines in the poem, and each one of them begins with successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It's an acrostic poem that speaks of an imaginary woman. She never sleeps. She always works. Well, okay, that's part of the poem that's reality. But but in the poem, she manages a fleet of ships, runs a farm, manages a staff, sews like a fashion expert. She cooks, cleans, homeschools her children. She has a feast waiting on her husband when he arrives home from his much less demanding job. And she needs no carpool whatsoever. She simply puts on her super mom cape and flies her children to their next appointment. (laughs) If we were to see in English what we can't see in Hebrew, perhaps it would be a poem like this. A is for the apple pie she bakes, B is for the baby she loves, C is for the cleaning of the house, and then you go right on down to the letter Z, and Z is the zoo she manages in the backyard. Any woman who tries to emulate the woman of Proverbs 31 will understand the first line that says, A wife like this, who can find her? (laughs) Because you see, perfection is difficult to attain. Third thing I want you to know about a mother called of God is that she never relinquishes her title. In John 19 and verse 25, it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood His mother. Mary didn't stand passively, stoically, by the foot of the cross. 
she crumbled and crumpled at the cross. She fell down to the depths, moaned and wailed and begged the God of heaven to stop her hell on earth as she watched her son die an agony death on Calvary. The truth of Simeon's prophecy at the birth of Jesus suddenly became true in Mary's eyes and in her mind. The cross cut deeply into Mary's heart. But despite the pain, Mary was there. She was a mother from the beginning and a mother at the end. A mother called by God never relinquishes the title. If your child is hurting, moms, you want to know. And you want to come to the rescue of that child. That's what moms do. When your children fall down and get that boo-boo on their leg, who's the one that calms them and soothes them and helps them get past it? It's moms. What do dads do? Oh, get up. What's a little blood? Doesn't matter. Get up. Well, my leg's hanging off to the left. No problem. Just throw it back on and let's go. No, no. Now, moms want to make sure the leg's working right again. I never will forget playing football. And back in those days, we didn't have trainers or anything else like that. Just some ugly coaches is all we had. I remember a guy dislocated his little finger and it was pointing out that way. When he'd look at you, the, the top part of it was pointing out to the side. And he came over screaming, ah, ah, ah. And the coach said, what's wrong? He said, and he held up his hand. He said, look over there. So he did. And when he heard, he pulled it back in the spot. And he said, is it okay? He goes, oh, wow, okay. Back in he goes. Now, if that would have been a mom, he'd have been at the hospital. He'd have been in the emergency room. And she would have been on every doctor to make sure that was done properly and without pain. That's what moms do. Moms uh, will be found in the halls of these kinds of moms are found in the halls of children's hospitals, in funeral homes, and in counselors' offices. Moms never relinquish their title. Even if the child is rebellious, harsh, or cruel, her heart just will not allow it, not when she's called by God. That mom will always be praying. That mom will always be believing. That mom will always be striving to see that child be something of honor and pleasantness to Almighty God. It's the moms that pray the prayers. It's the grandmas that pray the prayers. I believe I'm a Christian today because of my grandmother's prayers. I believe I'm a preacher today because of those prayers as well. Because all of my relatives look at my brother and I who are preachers and they just can't believe that we're preachers of the gospel. Not with the upbringing we had and not with the family that we grew up in. That we would somehow find Christ and secondly that we'd find a way to be in the ministry. But I attribute that all to prayer. The prayer of a mom and a prayer of a grandmother. Sometimes the most difficult decision a mother will ever make comes right at the beginning. There continue to be that brave lot of young women who realize under the rarest of circumstances that the best gift they can give their child is the gift of adoption. And all over the world, that painful giving up of a baby is a whole lot like the painful giving up of a son on a cross. But even at that moment of giving up, a mother's love dominates 
the scene. It's a sacrificial, a painful time, but it's a loving moment of care. And mothers who give their children to families patiently standing in a line of love need to be applauded, loved, and recognized. I will never forget, I was a young preacher in Denver, Colorado. We had a 16-year-old girl come up pregnant. And we had to, she wanted to give the baby up for adoption. And so the agency that she worked with, it was an open adoption. So the couple and the girl and the baby and her family came to the church. And we had a time of prayer. We had a time, large, long time of crying, all of us crying as this girl holding her baby handed that baby into the arms of the new mother that lady could not have children and that one selfish act of that girl giving that baby up because she knew she couldn't raise that baby in the way and provide for that baby in the way that it needed to be provided for passed on a blessing a huge blessing the great news is that young lady finished high school and that young lady got married and now is a mother of three or four more babies. But she still has contact through pictures and letters and watches her first child grow. And that's awesome. That's the power of God. That's the beauty of God. And folks, if you don't know it yet, we're all adopted. We're all adopted. Because when a mother, a woman becomes a mother, when a man becomes a father, there is an instant realization that the day will almost certainly come when pain dominates the picture. The crosses are different for every family, but the crosses usually come. There may be divorce, there may be disease, there may be death, there may be harsh words, unacceptable actions, there may be tough love, impossible nights. But through it all, mothers called by God never relinquish the title, never because there is nothing, nothing like a mother's love. I will never forget, again, one of those life lessons. At 2 o'clock in the morning, my mother woke me up from a deep sleep, pounding on my chest and saying to me with tears running down her face and dripping on my chest, don't you ever make me come and get you out of jail. Don't you ever make me come and get you out of jail. Because she was having to go get my brother out of jail. I've never forgotten that. Maybe that's why I'm a preacher today. But there's, there's just nothing like a mother's love. Mary had a chance to see God's entire plan play out in front of her. She suffered through the crucifixion, celebrated the resurrection, and even was part of that small group in Acts chapter 1 that witnessed the powerful presentation of the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost. What a gift from God to live long enough for parenting to make sense. Some parents live long enough to see God's plan play out in their children. Some see God working in the lives of their grandchildren. Some surely only see God's plan from the halls of heaven. It's a bit unusual for me to close a message this morning as the worship team comes to help me close. Uh, I want to close a message from a newspaper comic strip. I want to take thoughts from the children of the family circus. They were once discussing babies. 
One of the young experts announced, Storks don't bring babies, they come UPS. Some of the other children had different ideas, but the best was saved for last. Babies, said one, are connected to their mothers by a biblical cord. Every idea from this message today has come from the Bible. There are so many solid principles for parenting in the Bible. No parent can afford to not know what those are. If you're going to be a godly parent, be sure to immerse yourself in God's Word every day. Be committed to His calling because He's called you. He's called you into a marvelous ministry. So moms, we honor you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing Christ to us, your children, so that we can be in church today worshiping with you. Father, this morning I ask you if there's a person here today that doesn't know you in a personal, real way, we want to give them a chance to respond to you. God, maybe the message hasn't been that soul-stirring, heart-wrenching message but yet again it is. Because there are parents sitting in this room right now who are having difficulty with children. There are single parents right here this morning that are doing a marvelous job. My gracious, they're doing an excellent job of raising their children. And Father, we, we will never know the heartaches that they face because so many of those heartaches are done behind the door late at night as they cry in their pillows out to you. So God, you know Could you bring peace and calm to them? And could we as a church family help these single moms? Can we as a church help in being that big brother, big sister to some of these kids? God, just this week, I got an email about the impact that praying for a child can have that we've seen in this church right here. God, if there's somebody here today that just needs to deepen their walk with you, if there's a mom here that needs to get some things settled with you, would they do it? Would they do it? God, you're going to sing a great song. Empty me. May I choose to empty me to bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.